Hello and welcome to the Art and Science Punks podcast, where two lifelong learners talk about art, science, engineering, technology, and how we play with those things in our day-to-day lives. I'm one of your punks, Kate Stenzinger, and with me tonight and every night is my amazing punk partner. Hey, I am Rob Stenzinger. Rob, why don't you start us off and tell us what we're going to talk about tonight? Well, I think the our general topic is how to make engaging experiences for kids and Mm. it's not all encompassing it's not every situation and context but it's a couple of particular contexts that i witness you working to provide interesting activities and um some interactive exploration that that i find uh very skillful when i see it happen so i thought it'd be fun to chat about thank you what contexts are you thinking of well uh, there's the whole the hosting situation. So let's say you are going camping and there are a bunch <laughs> of families or let's say you're you're having uh, some families over and they have, you know, you I have do the, like the to adults do the, and the kids party planning for yeah. the for the younger set, don't I? Yep. OK. Yeah. You don't leave them out. And so I'm really curious to just pick out a few of the things that, that you think of when you are doing that. Oh, fantastic. This will yeah. be fun. All right. So most recently we had an experience where I got to practice or exercise, stretch some of those skills and muscles. Mm-hmm. Um, recently, um, this past weekend, we had an opportunity where I actually volunteered at an event that was focused for kids. Mm. Do you want to talk a little bit about that event and how we how we came to be there? Well, I think you're talking about Game Dev Day, which was this um, interactive learning experience at the Works Museum in Bloomington, Minnesota, that was on February 11th, uh, 2017. And the whole uh, feel of events at at, uh, this place called The Works, it's sort of a um, a STEM, STEAM style um, exploratory museum for kids and families that they have these semi-permanent slash maybe permanent exhibits that are often there. And they're all interactive. Oh, yeah. It's fantastic. Interactive. You can really, you can go and build and design and test. Yeah, totally. And and then sort of interspersed with this, so this, this permanent set of things are uh, events. And we've attended multiple because um, we actually are members at this place. And the th- those events feel like um, visiting different. Ta- it feels a lot like a, an expo, right? Yeah, there's different tables set up, and you can kind of go to different stations, and it's focused on the kids learning different things. So we've gone to one that was all female engineers. I think we maybe talked about that one in, mm-hmm. on the podcast previously, and this one last weekend was all about um, game design and game mm-hmm. development. So coding, art, even just thinking through what makes an interesting game. Yeah, so um, through uh, networking and connecting with the local uh, Minneapolis game development community, I I had met uh, Beth Korth, who um, she expressed interest in, in doing this kind of thing. I yeah. expressed how I had done, the, done essentially workshops, and it sort of opened up a conversation that, that grew into... Uh, the this event. It's fantastic, awesome event. It was so much fun. 
it, it it was a lot of fun. It was really satisfying to see um, the the different pieces working. Yes, it all came from, together. You know, yeah. the volunteers and the kids and all the kind of learning and and how um, I know it's like yeah, this is hi, welcome to a podcast where it, this is the pat myself on the back hour. And it's not <laughs> it's not that at all. But like that's you know you you do that kind of planning for um, not quite a year, but it had been you know way over half a year and. Well, you and Beth worked very hard to, yeah. to put together a really great um, expo show and had so many wonderful volunteers that really did make it. Exactly. It, there was so many um, skillful uh, experiences that I, that I witnessed where um, so, it, it was weird for me to be in the position of more of the uh, host and helpful like background facilitator as opposed to, to the foreground because that's more the traditional role I've, I've occupied. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But yet it was also incredibly satisfying and fun because I mean, you get to see, um, uh, for example, like why would that sound fun? So I got to see like a group of kids approach a scratch coding workstation, right? And how there was a, um, a sort of lead instructor ready to, to jump in and, and start helping present interesting questions and, and check in and see, see what they were curious about. But then it was, there was one kid who really was sort of lost, but then another one in that same group that was ready to show them uh, how awesome scratch is. Right. And so the kids can learn from each other, which is always a great setup when so you can get cool. that. Yeah. So let me talk a little bit about what I did on the volunteering. Um, so I actually took a game that you and I designed together mm-hmm. So um, you did all of what the, game is that? This panda needs you. Oh yeah, it's available in the app store. We'll have yeah, to put iTunes, a link to yeah. it in the show notes. Totally. That'd be good. Yep. So this panda needs you, which was um, designed and developed really as a as a children's game, and starting with a pretty young um, age range. It's an iPad game where you're dragging blocks and you're setting blocks up to kind of match a pattern. So there's there's color and shape matching, there's sequencing that's happening. So it's it's an early um kind of drag and drop type game. Mm-hmm. And um so I had done some of the design work and the concept work on it and you of course did all the heavy lifting of the the coding, the music and the art. Um just that little thing. But I got to take the game up to this game dev day. And the section of the expo that I was in was all about what is it like for the kids to experience, what is it like to be a game tester or a game reviewer? Mm. So their um, job was to sit down and play the game and then think kind of critically about is this a good game? Is this not a good game? And we had little worksheets to kind of help them with some some ideas and some thoughts that you know basically asked them, is this game interesting or boring? Is it too hard or too easy or just right? And then what do you like about the game? Why do you like that? Um, what would you change about the game? Um, How did the game make you feel? Those kinds of questions in a worksheet. Um, and it was so much fun, and it was so interesting to to talk with the kids and engage the kids um, as they hmm. kind of came in. Well, and I got to see you do this in action, and I've I've seen you uh, in tabling situations before at sort of uh, when we we've done sort of comic tabling together. Yeah. Um, where for me, um, uh, Art Geek Zoo, and then for you, uh, Babies Love Comics. Yeah. 
and um, I, I, I witness how you in, uh, engage and uh, work with kids. And one of the reasons I, th- I thought it would be awesome for you to be up there too was to sort of um, model and share that that kind of pr- like your approach. Um, yeah. Like what? Like describe describe a situation where there's okay. There's a kid who's like curious yet hesitant, and there's a parent who's like. This is about learning. I don't know video games. What exactly? I don't and, know. And like, I why had, is this at the works? I was fortunate where I had the the cute little animated panda and some blocks. So parents would kind of um, shoo their kids towards me first, right? Mm. Because other ones had um, were more console looking games where they had you know like the traditional controllers. And I, I think a lot of people, parents, were concerned about what's the content. And the games were all fantastic that were up there. There was. Mm-hmm. Wonderful games, and you'll have to link to all of those as yeah, well. Yeah, Chimera Genesis, uh, Anti Piracy, and um, uh, Vengeance. Yeah, some great games. Mm-hmm. Um, but so parents would often, if the, if there was any apprehension at all, they would shoo them over to my table. And um, my first goal was really to give the kids a job. So I would be very welcoming, and I would say, "Sit down, sit down. You can play this game." Hmm. And they would sit down. And I'd say, "Okay." The second they would sit down, I said, "Okay." But now you're sitting in, the, in my chair. You have a job to do. You are now a game tester. Mm. You have to test my game and you have to tell me. I said, you go ahead and play for a bit and then I'm going to ask you some questions. I'm going to ask if you liked it, if it's too hard, too easy, is it super boring? And I would, you know, very exaggerated say some of these things depending on um, if the child seemed nervous or kind of where they were at with it. Because hmm. some kids were like, okay, I'm going to, you know let me look at this boring game. You know, they would already have kind of preconceived notions or just wanting to kind of have that um, attitude, I'll say. So it was it was so much fun. And the kids had such great and creative ideas. But at any rate, so my first step was to give them a job. You've hmm. got a job to do. But then the next thing I wanted to do is make it really clear to them while they were then starting to engage with the game um, what the expectation was going to be. So depending on how um, comfortable the, the child seemed, you know, I had the, the paper that kind of walked him through. I'd let him play a round or two, and then I'd slide the piece of paper over, and I'd say, these are some of the questions I'm going to ask you about. And so then I'd let him play for a little bit longer, and I had a couple of stations, so then another kid would come, and I'd kind of do my same thing. And so I wasn't just sitting there staring at one child playing, right? So they Oh, sure. It's not like... This is this is intense. Like this right. lady is is friendly, but like, uh oh. But now she has all these she, high expectations. Yeah, you know? uh, like I'm being tested. What's going on? Yeah, so I'd kind of let him, you know, get familiar, and I, I maybe would ask, "Oh, is it working?" Or I could hear the music cue when they would um, win a level or finish a level, and I'd oh. go, "Did you do it?" And they would, you know, get excited and be like, "Yeah, I did it." Um, <laughs> so, you know, trying to make sure that they knew what the expectation was. Um, and then a, a lot of it is just really paying attention. Well, it sounds like you did a lot of, um, almost, uh, like, like there was a, a few different strategies that you had depending on the hesitancy and the comfort level oh, yeah. or the boldness or what have you. I had some little ones who would start walking towards the table cause they would see the panda Oh, and then would see me and they would turn and walk away. And so then I would just keep an eye kind of out of the corner of my eye on them. And when they'd look over, I'd smile at them and they'd run away, you know, they'd walk away <laughs> and eventually they would come over, right? They just needed, you know, or I would keep out of the corner of my eye and, and not look as they got closer and closer. Oh. And then when they would crawl up in the chair, I'd say, you can play the game. 
Yeah. And then I would, you know, continue to talk to someone else and just let them let them explore it a little bit without any interaction. So it was oh, sure. really paying attention to what I thought the kid needed. And you know, you're not going to get that right 100% of the time, but I think, you know, mm-hmm. I do a pretty good job with that with my just it's the work well, I've done with kids. A lot of you've had a lot of practice with that. Um, yeah. So then once they got going, it was about, and these are some things that I, I always get from you. I use some of your, um, um, oh my goodness, um, when you're acting, improv. Improv. I use some of your improv tools that you use in your workshops. Oh, okay. Um, with the yes and. Oh, yeah. Yeah, use a lot of yes and. So tons of positive feedback. So one of the things I would ask all the kids is what would you do? What do you wish it did different? Because, you know, a lot of times they just want to tell you, oh, the game is good. Or you had the kids on the opposite side who just wanted to tell you your game sucks. And <laughs> and it was so funny because they'd say that and then they'd sit there and play it for 20 minutes. This is boring. <laughs> and then they wouldn't leave. That's fun. And what about, uh, what? there was a kid who wanted the panda to do something just very not gentle. Oh, they were so funny. So I would ask some of the things that I would hear. So what do you want the game to do different? And one kid goes, well, and again, it's a panda and you're stacking blocks to help a panda out who's sad that their blocks, that their block tower fell down. And the kid plays a few rounds and I said, what do you want it to do different? Well, be good if you could fight stuff. (laughs) (laughs) So that Um, kid was good. There's another kid that took... um, issue with the physics engine that that's not how things would happen in reality yeah totally busted and and what's funny you were like i need a break and like i was checking in you know doing my uh doing my thing at the event and of course also with this little extra attention to the the game that i was a part of creating too yeah and you're like yeah why don't you talk to rob or whatever and (laughs) (laughs) i ran to refill my water it's like the cloud shows up and blows wind, but then the blocks explode. They don't knock, get knocked over like they're getting hit by wind. And I was like, yeah, you busted me. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, he was, he was one of them that he was certain the game was boring, but he sure stayed there a long time. a lot of time. thoughts. It was, yeah, that was fantastic. Um, I had other kids that would say, oh, there's nothing I would do different. And I would go, oh, okay. Well, how would you make the game harder? So then I would ask them a different question. Yeah. Like you said, not that they said the game was too easy, but I said, how would you make it harder? If I was going to make the game for an older kid, or sometimes I would give them all sorts of cred and I'd be like, if I was going to make the game more tailored to like your age, how would you make the game harder? Mm -hmm. And they had just super creative ideas about how to make the game harder. So um, that you would have to win a mini game to earn the blocks to build the tower. Oh, I heard that. I heard different Earn the blocks. variations of that. And so it sounds like by having some sort of, you know, comfort and trust and, you know, openness to conversing further, you're able to um, just you know, provide new, new context, new, new ways to explore the, the question where like the, the old question, it's like, I don't know, it's on paper. I don't know what they mean. But then you, you reinvent that at, in the moment. And it was really interesting, too, because I had some kids that were too shy to tell me what they thought, but they would take a pen and write out all sorts of answers. Oh, wild. So I kind of had to let them go where they were comfortable with. Hmm. Um, I had a lot of kids who um, would say they didn't have any ideas, and then they would think for a minute, 
and out would come what I can only characterize as an entirely new game idea designed from start to finish, but using <laughs> some of the components from our game, <laughs> you know, and that was just also fantastic. And I would get all excited and I would say, that's such a great idea. And I told a lot of the kids, you would make a fantastic game tester. I was waiting for you to say this. So what about when a parent heard that, <laughs> that specific Oftentimes, the parent would tap the child on the back and say, or designer, you can be a game designer. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. Um, And I also had a lot of parents who wanted to give me feedback on the game. Oh. um, Which was really funny, too. They had lots of ideas for how I could change the game or or revise the game. So that was fun, too. Okay, so those are some great examples of, like, you're you're sitting in a, in sort of a, here's a public event, and you're, it, it's, it's either mostly or at least partially about providing some value to kids, right? Right. And what about when that, that's like now, okay, that camping situation or like a, like, like an event oh, that yeah, you're hosting or whatever? Because I've, I've seen you do this and you come up with a lot of stuff and I, I don't know exactly how that even works. Yeah. So I think some of the, the more social things. So if I know, if we're going to have a, an event or a gathering, so either a camping trip where we um, would, would camp with many other families or, you know, a gathering at our home um, with, again, many other families, I always try to have a few structured activities available um, and then also some more kind of free form. Like here's just a bunch of art supplies, you know, here's some glue and scissors and paper kind of things but always have a couple of activities that are more structured because there's typically that time like what would be a structured activity well so for camping um examples that i've done uh nature um scavenger hunts oh right so just have in my back pocket all the lists for scavenger hunt that's super easy and then you know it's just pretty organic whether we want to divide up in teams or everybody wants to go on their own here's the list everybody go and it depends and that you can do all ages um other camping crafts that we've done um we've done like nature mobiles um Uh, painting rocks yeah painting rocks i did a rock jewelry one once where um i brought colored wire and Mm. um you know, the kids could find a rock and then we'd wrap it in the wire and that'd be kind of like the stone on the necklace and, and put that together. Um, so the, the structured has some kind of, um, it sounds like it has like a, uh, interesting outcome where, Oh yeah. Like if you want to do this, then this is promising of like, yeah, yeah. It sounds like worthwhile to do like, like I've seen you do like the, um, what is that? The, it's not needlepoint. What is that? Yeah, that was actually one of the ones we uh, was my art pick. I think last yeah um, one or two podcasts ago, which is you know just having the burlap in a in a hoop and the mm-hmm. big the big plastic needles and letting the kids do that activity. That's always a big hit camping because mm-hmm. kids can kind of carry it around with them if they want to go sit by the beach or you know sit by the campfire and and do that um, kind of faux needlepoint work, if you will. And that's always a fun one in bright colors. And then they come running over to me at various times asking for more thread or more, you know, a yeah, different color. I guess color. it's more abstract. It feel, I mean, looks to me like real needle, needlepoint. It's yeah. just, you know, a less 
the resolution is less uh, fine. The re- and they're not, you know, well, I guess the older kids would typically, again, the other thing I try to do and try to pay attention to, and, and same thing when uh, at the game dev day, is how can I make this approachable for multiple ages, right? Because mm-hmm. you're not always, I'm not in a classroom setting, right? We're in a social setting and people are going to have kids of all different ages. Same thing um, at the works event where mm-hmm. I had, you know, I had two-year-olds all the way through, you know, 12, 13-year-olds. Mm-hmm. And so how can you make this approachable for all ages? Uh, so how would that work? Or like, scalable. Well, yeah. it's just in, in looking at the pro- looking at the projects and looking at the different activities. I mean, that's one thing that I've kind of always tried to pay attention to. I would bring Is that things- a multiple layers of challenge kind of thing? Multiple layers of challenge or design, right? So in the needlepoint, the older kids would maybe um, try and do a flower like of their own design. Oh. Um, I remember there was a girl one year who did a house um, okay. and actually wrote some words, you know, like um, stitched in some words. Whereas the younger kids are just, you know, making colored shapes or not even shapes, but just, you know, making the different colors oh, it's, yeah, go it's through. Pseudo random yeah. line here, line and there. And it turns out yeah. pretty. I mean, they turn out really pretty. Yeah. Um, some of the other activities I've I've come up with are things that, you know, with a parent's help to kind of get it set up. And then maybe the younger children are just sticking stickers on and making the same thing that the older kids are kind of making from scratch. Okay, so wind socks. That's what it was that wind we did. Socks. We did okay. the wind socks yep. and had the streamers coming from them. And so the older kids could kind of do all of the steps, whereas the younger kids were just mainly decorating the main part of the windsock so is that more or less the the okay so let's say i'm going to you know i'm someone else i'm going to host an event right yeah if i'm hosting an, an event with you it's a lot easier because you take care of all these these awesome details of um providing the different experiences but it sounded what the the, the checklist that i heard was essentially um have some things that are generally creative on hand yeah you know like make marks on paper with some stuff Mm -hmm. but then i also heard a specific set of activities is that is that really the sort of the core of it and well and i think too what would be missing from that checklist um well for, for me the other part of the checklist is i usually try and make one or two myself oh before going so that i have experience about what's where where can you get tripped up um, is it, oh, geez, you need a really sharp scissors for this part of it um, to do these two steps? Or, you know, um, you know, one year my hole punch wasn't the right hole punch. It was too yeah. big, and so the holes would tear. Needed a smaller hole punch. Um, so I try to do a couple of tests beforehand, mm-hmm. and then, you know, our kids have to be the guinea pigs. So then I would do one or two on my own and then also kind of try and That's run through funny. the project with the with our kids one of our you know depending on the ages and see how that goes and again you just learn a lot from practicing it once mm-hmm. so that you can know you know, hey, here's the part. Then the other thing I'll say that's a big when you've got these kind of larger social events is for me is knowing what other parents are going to support me and back me up so that I'm not oh. ending up the pseudo teacher slash babysitter right Right. so when we would camp i would always you know tell the parent tell a couple of the moms or dads prior to going hey here's some events i have let me know if there's a point you know that we want to do this 
I'll need your help with X, Y, or Z. Or do you, you know, and then I would do the, do you want to bring a craft? Do you want to bring an activity? And, you know, so that it's not just me being like, this is what we're going to do. Well, right. I mean, so it seems like then you then you avoid the whole like, well, I'm the camp counselor. Right. And therefore, now you can wander off. Right. And yeah. Leave me with your kids or whatever. Unless, you know, that's arranged and, you know, that's your mileage may vary. Different parents, different yeah. sorts of situations. But then sometimes that that's not really the intent of like, well, no, I just was doing something, you know, fun and engaging. I wasn't planning on being the babysitter here. Right. So, you know, making sure that's sort of like a managed uh, arrangement. Absolutely. So that's another piece okay. of my puzzle. So practicing and then also making sure that I know where my kind of my supports are. Um, yeah. The other thing I'll say in the camping situation, it's always worked out fantastic because um, we if we get a rainy afternoon, you know, yep. I've got my bag of tricks, so to speak, kind of ready to roll. Um, and any materials that needed to be prepped were prepped. Um, I will say that we've had a couple events at the house where I've prepped two or three things and we've never gone near them because sure. the kids are just engaged and, and happy and playing on their own. And so I try not to you know, force an activity if it's not needed. Okay. So sometimes it's about finding the the opening for the activity. And yeah, yeah and, and then honestly, it's not really that big of a burden overall having the supplies yeah, on hand. Right. So that, that's worked out for other things later on. Um. I think there's a good chance we'll end up exploring different angles on this down the road, future yeah. episodes. Well, now I want to host a party with a bunch of kids. Yeah. Well, <laughs> um, I think there's a pretty good chance that we know different parents that, uh, you know, we could throw a party. We could throw a party. Yeah. Uh, so, okay. We'll figure that out. That's fantastic. Um, I would think that now is a great time to explore some picks, specifically an art pick and a science pick. I love it. Can yeah. I go first? Yes. All right. I have an art pick tonight, so I hope you have a science pick. I do. Oh, good. Oh, good, good, good. All right. So I have an art pick tonight, and I like this one because it's both something that um, I get to do, and it kind of feeds my creativity, and I can do it myself, or I can work with the kids, and we can create them together, um, create them, or just even design them together, mm. and that is a tooth fairy pillow. Oh, so I found online a while back uh, this really cool design for a tooth fairy pillow. That's like a monster tooth fairy pillow. And it's like a small pillow with a pocket on the front and a little ribbon so that you can hang it on the door. How small? Okay. How small a pillow? Um, well, it's only got to hold a tooth, right? So it's not okay. giant, but I don't know. It's about hand size, maybe. Hand know. size. Yeah, yeah. I was going to try and say it's like three by five. Okay. It's like three by five. Um, but can I tell why this has been such an important? Yeah. Okay. So they're really cute and we'll put a link to them. And like I said, it's, I had a lot of fun being creative and getting a bunch of, um, fabric, you know, just remnant fabric out and and designing the little monster for the tooth fairy pillow. (laughs) But the reason that this one was important to us is because when our oldest lost her second tooth, do you remember this night? Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> she put the tooth under her pillow with a note and a gift for the tooth fairy. And at 11 p.m., I went in her room to put money under her pillow. And she sat straight up. Mom, what do you need? Oh, man. And long story short, this happened all night long. You went in at midnight. I mm-hmm. went in at 3 a.m. every single time. 
she sat up. As a matter of fact, at 3 a.m. when she sat up, she started crying. She's like, the tooth fairy is never going to come. <laughs> but, but. Oh, my God. Somehow, like you have to finish. Like, right. So, so that's not how it ended. And then, therefore, it ended in sadness. No. So she I was, don't know how you pulled this off. She was crying. And so then yeah. she buried her head in her pillow crying. And I quickly slid money under her pillow. And I was trying desperately to, like, find the little tooth and <laughs> sneak it out. Uh-huh. Um, but I couldn't. So I, but I got the money under there and so she's crying and I'm rubbing her back and I said, well, honey, are you sure the tooth fairy hasn't come? Maybe you just missed the tooth fairy and she lifts up her pillow and there's money there. Now the challenge I have is her tooth is still under there too somewhere. Yeah. So she sees the money and gets super excited and I see the tooth, which has of course fallen out of the bag. She put it in Uh and rolled aside. So I slam my hands down on her bed and I'm like, see, as I'm grabbing the tooth and sneaking it away. It was just horrible. And I'm, ha- I'm exhausted. sleight of hand. Oh my God. I, it was, I didn't know you had it in you. Oh, it was bad. <laughs> so after that, we thought, I said, okay, I got to come up with another plan. So we did this little tooth fairy pillow that you hang on the door mm-hmm. out front. <laughs> <laughs> it's far easier to yes. uh, pull off the rest of the arrangement. Or you know what? That must have all happened with her first tooth because when her second oh, tooth fell out. We should have said a tooth fairy spoiler. I don't know if people listen to this with their kids. Oh, tooth fairy spoiler. Yeah. This might, I don't know. We'll see what happens when people people react to this oh, man. episode. Yeah. You might have to edit that out. <sighs> At any rate, tooth fairy pillows, they're adorable and yeah. you can hang them on the outside of the door. Because our tooth fairy is really shy and is scared to come in the room sometimes. Yeah. Where, where you wrote a tiny note that helped Oh, that happened us. too. Yeah. 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 So the whole um, tooth fairy mythos helped, um, you know, it got appended in, or amended. Yes. Because uh, with the second tooth, Kaya wrote a note to the tooth fairy wanting to know what she or he does with the teeth. Mm-hmm. And the tooth fairy wrote back a super teeny tiny little note <laughs> and talked about being afraid um, because well, she kept waking up. <laughs> right. And and she didn't want to lose her job. Yep, she didn't right. want to lose her job because if yeah. the if the tooth fairy is seen by children then they don't then they're not allowed to collect teeth anymore and that bums them out. Nice. That's amazing. Okay. All right, so, so that was my art pick. So kind of pick. a I did a long-winded art pick. Interesting. I know. Let's see if I can counter that with a very short science. Okay, pick. see what you got for science. Is, is that possible? Okay, so there is a website that I find very useful that has, um, yeah, it's there's a paid level to it, but there's a free level. It's called it's called CodePen.io, and I find it a fantastic learning tool for um, making some fun exploratory experiments and um, like one really handy technique when you're doing some kind of new thing in code is if you can make a small example and codepen.io makes that really easy because you can um, uh, so you open the website up in your browser you've got sort of these three rectangles with no four rectangles like the one rectangle is the uh, HTML, one is the job, one is the CSS and one is the, the JavaScript. And then the, th- the fourth is the preview of like what the outcome is. Oh, wow. And so it's a whole environment to make a web page in one place, one web browser window. So can you, if you wrote in the HTML, would it put in the CSS? And- it, well, I mean, or if or just it doesn't parts. automatically do it for you, Okay, but it, it live updates as, so nice. if you're like, 
you make a mistake, you see the mistake and you get this instant feedback and it's a really cool tool. Code pen. Yeah, code pen. And on top of that sort of uh, great place to practice and learn stuff, there are, um, I mean, there's a giant community of, of people doing their experiments and you can explore them and all, search for almost anything you want from like game development to um, uh, some thing you were thinking of adding to your website. Search code pen for it. You oh, might cool. find a really tiny example that is a nice little um, piece of you know, like what size? Tiny. Tiny example as far as people tackling problems that, that are not um, the whole world, right? It's not figuring out every aspect of your website in one big blob of stuff. It's just, oh, this is a, this is a form to um, get feedback. Yeah, That's so it. this is a just feedback form, form like, or this is a submit. Yep. Or this is animating a button. This is um, making a... Um, like a, a a dynamically animated banner or an interactive header or whatever for cool. your website, all sorts of fun things and and the a lot of playfulness in the examples. Really interesting place to learn and, and explore. Um, and of course, I'm on CodePen, just as Rob Stenzinger. And oh, I've nice! Got a, so I've got a few things I've shared. And- yeah. Cool. Yep, I've shared uh, some examples from the book. Um, uh, game construction kit underwater tomato ninja edition out there underwater tomato ninja yeah which is that's a book i wrote a couple years ago ebook that is about uh learning how to make uh games with sort of html technology you know that should be one of your picks one of these days not a bad idea yeah so yeah codepen.io nice that's a great pick yeah thanks all right i think that wraps us up for today Mm -hmm. all right we are the Art and Science Punks, coming to you each week with stories of art, science, and creativity, and oftentimes stories of struggles, like the Tooth Fairy, and even successes of balancing our personal passions with work and family. <laughs> also like the Tooth Fairy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so Art and Science Punks, we have a blog at artandsciencepunks.com, and on Twitter, we are Art Science Punks. And you can find our, our podcast feed at artsciencepunks.fireside.fm or on iTunes, where we would appreciate your five-star rating. Thanks, and you can tweet me at, you can tweet me, that is, at Kate Stenzinger on Twitter. And I am Rob Stenzinger on Twitter. Nice job, Stenzinger. <laughs> <laughs>